You're listening to 1001 Album Club, where each episode we discuss a different album from Robert Demery's book, 1001 Albums You Must Hear Before You Die. episode we'll be talking about Waylon Jennings honky tonk heroes in the room I have Rob yes sir Ben howdy Solange I wanted to say howdy and John Hi. you're saying that now <laughs> honky tonk heroes is an album by American country music artist Waylon Jennings released in 1973 on RCA Victor Records the producer was Waylon Jennings Tom Paul Glassier, Ronnie Light, and Ken Mansfield. And the genre is country and outlaw country. And I'm going to read from All Music Review, Stephen Thomas Irwine. When Waylon Jennings hooked up with songwriter Billy Joe Shaver, he found the perfect author for his obsessions, his fascinations, and his very image. Waylon had always been looking, perhaps unintentionally, for a common ground between country and rock, and Shaver's songs sketching out outlaw stance with near defiance, borrowing rock attitude to create the hardest country tunes imaginable were perfect. On his previous album, Waylon had sung that ladies love outlaws, but now he found the music we would soon be calling outlaw country, a defiant, ballsy blend of myth-making and truth-telling. Shaver never had a better voice for his songs, and Jennings never had better songs for his style. Honky Tonk Heroes arrived at a crucial moment, a time when true honky tonk was fading. So only a dose of rock and roll could save it. And no matter how much rock attitude is here, this is pure country in its stance and attitude. Honky Tonk Heroes makes a perfect discovery album for listeners who never thought they would like country music. All right, what do we think of Honky Tonk Heroes? I like country, and I disagree with that last sentence. Okay. Because I don't like this album. Yeah, I had a tough time with this one. I thought I would like this a lot more than I did, and Mm -hmm. I, I... I don't know if I can... A lot of it was his voice. Like, I don't know why, but... It puts you to sleep. Uh, It's boring. I just think the album's boring, personally. Yeah. I wasn't grabbed by it. I wouldn't say that, but I would say that there were definitely songs he felt stronger on. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, it was was a mix. Well, and it's it's stylistic, too, I think. Like, uh, his slower country ballads, kind of like old Five and Dimers, his voice... It's, it's rich, it's round, but it, it lacks emotion. And then on the ones where he's trying to come with a little bit more feeling like um, Black Rose or, or uh, uh, Ride Me Down Easy, there's a little bit more, I don't know, emotional content to his tone. Yeah. I don't know how to say it, but like, and on those I liked it a little bit better, but I thought also the lyrics were better on those too. I mean, writing-wise, I think 
some of some of Shavers were maybe not hits. <laughs> yeah, like they weren't they weren't super solid. They were a little hokey. You're right. How do you feel about Black Rose? Because that was like the standout for me. <sighs> Actually, honestly, the standout for me was Omaha. I really, yeah, I Omaha really, really liked too. that song. Um, I like, there's a lot of stuff I like about this album, I should say. I really, anytime like I hear a pedal steel guitar, I'm like, that does it for me. It's like, I, cause I, I just think that's such a cool instrument. And I thought there were cool things like some of the songs that were more like rocky had like a funky drum thing going on. Mm. And I kind of, I really liked that. But the thing about Waylon to me is, I really love the Highwaymen, and I love I love country in general, but I just don't think I like outlaw country. Hmm. You know, like how do you feel about like Chris Christopherson, Johnny Cash? Not a fan. I like Chris Christopherson's artistry. I love him on the Johnny Cash show. Huh. I love his voice. I think he has such a beautiful voice. Um, and I love Johnny Cash. Like I was telling someone, a lot of people in my Highwaymen uh, rank, it's like Waylon at the bottom, then Chris, then Willie, then Johnny Cash at the top kind of how they feel about the Highwayman song where at the end Johnny Cash gets to be the like I fly a spaceship and it's like <laughs> <laughs> that's how I feel yeah totally but yeah. I mean when I think of like the country I like it's like I'm not a fan of the Nashville sound I like Texas western swing and I love like Dwight Yoakam and like Bakersfield country well, that's, but weren't they I mean this album was trying to get away from all that Nashville stuff right it's a little sparser it's Billy a little Joe less Shavers produced a, he's a Texas guy yeah, yeah. And they, definitely, they definitely tried to pull away from the country politan sound yeah yeah that's what but I even thought. but even with that I, I hear you like <laughs> you're wanting to it's a weird mix like it's sparser <laughs> but yeah. somehow it still doesn't have enough true grit <laughs> Yeah. You know, like yeah. it feels, it feels a little false. I don't know. I mean, I think that's why I, I, I think like, I don't think of Dwight Yoakam as like sparse. Like I think of Dwight Yoakam at, as like, kind of like drinking country. Like this is sad drinking country. <laughs> and like Dwight Yoakam, or there's a guy out of um, Texas. I think his name is Dale Watson. Yeah, he's who, great. Yeah, he's awesome. And he's like beer drinking country. Like, oh, like he has a song about kissing his girlfriend. And this is just like. Dude, Waylon, you need a you okay, buddy? Yeah. <laughs> well, neither of those guys would probably be doing much weren't for Waylon. Yeah. yeah. That's a that's that a fair quick. assessment. Also, sort of. you know, like in, in the news, like last month, or I guess if you're listening to this, a year and a month ago, <laughs> 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 uh, about how like Willie Nelson stopped smoking weed, uh, and everyone's like, "Oh, you hear Willie Nelson stopped smoking weed?" Uh, his his son comes out and is like, "Well, yeah, he stopped smoking weed." It's twenty. It's twenty nineteen, y'all. Like Willie's, he's still getting his head right. He just doesn't want the smoke in his lungs when he's singing. He's in his nineties. Well, yeah. Yeah. I, I do have a question about this album. Uh, is the like the last song? Is that his like single that he released? Like, because mm-hmm. that's the charting single from this album. I thought it was really they interesting how he put the charting signal single. I can't talk the chart the charting single at the end of the album which I I just think that's interesting because I know that some artists do that as a choice um particularly like one I can think of that comes later in this book is Katie Lang's Ingenue so as to force you to listen to the whole album instead of just the first song so you're thinking if you've got like some radio weight from the single it makes them buy the album and then they keep waiting for it yeah, or they would just like listen to the whole album instead of just like, oh, I got the hit. Now I can turn this off. I was going to go with uh, Bruce Dickinson uh, leaving Iron Maiden doing uh, was it Fear of the Dark. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that's the very last song on that <laughs> otherwise unremarkable record. I thought you would go with uh, Sanitarium from uh, Metallica. Sanitarium is not 
That's his third song on Isn't it? Master of Puppets. Yeah. None of this is Waylon Jennings. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, and there, and there are two singles and off this album. One is You Ask Me To, which I think is the sixth song. And then I think you're right. You've got We Had It All as the last song, right? Yeah, which yeah, is okay. also the one song not written by Billy Joe Shaver. Right. Like, the label's like, okay, like do, do, your, do your project with unknown songwriter Billy Joe Shaver, but we want to get a hit on this record as well, so you're going to do a song by, like, an established songwriter as well. Yeah, okay, so that makes sense. They pushed the single because yeah. it Yeah, it, it so it might be at the end because maybe, uh, who knows, maybe, like, according to Waylon, it didn't really fit with the cohesiveness of yeah. the rest of, like, the mm. project. I could see that because I think the other one that wasn't written, Omaha, is the end of side one. It, it's, like, the uh, ones that... Uh, Omaha's Billy Shaver, though. He had a... a uh, I guess, yeah, Hillman Hall was also yeah. credited. But maybe it's... Uh, maybe that has something to do with it, like, putting it might, those, yeah. those later on. Although they pulled it out as a single. I always find it so strange, yeah, when they... When it's, like, eight or ten or something, and yeah. it's like, here's the single. Monks of tall, grown sugar cane Lived a simple man and a dominica hen And a rose of a different name well, the first time I felt lightning, I was standing in drizzling rain with a trembling hand and a bottle of gin and a rose of a different thing. But the devil made me do it the first time, the second time I've done it on my own. Lord, put a handle on the simple handed man and help me leave that black road. I mean, there's some, I mean, I don't think these any of these songs are are, are bad bad. I think huh. that there's some pretty good songwriting, you know, lyricism in like Black Rose and some other things. Just interesting lines. Um, nothing amazing, but nothing that's a a, a a dead weight really. I like that he kept everything between three minutes and thirty seconds and mm-hmm. two minutes and thirty seconds. It was very easily digestible. Yeah, yeah. I agree yeah. with that. I like that a lot too. It's a very short album, which is easy. Yeah, twenty eight minutes. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. I enjoy this whole record. Uh, it doesn't blow my mind, though. Yeah. I was I, interested to hear your take, because I think of a couple people when I think of country music, and you are one of them, mm-hmm. from, just from your growing up around country music. Here's the second one. Sorry. What? Here's <laughs> the second one. Hank Williams. Matt Alana Martin. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> no, I, I, I like outlaw country. Uh, I like country. I like honky-tonk. I like outlaw country. And I like Waylon Jennings. I, I wasn't familiar with this album, and I don't know what I was in, expecting, but I was a little underwhelmed, but at the same time, I enjoy the whole thing. Like, it's very easy listening for my ears. It's those sounds I like, but I really just thought there was going to be a bit more I could hang my hat on. Yeah. You know that Billy Joe Shaver shot a dude in a bar in 2007 for disrespecting him? Love Apparently it. that's par for the course. Do you know how he got to write these songs? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so do you want to tell it? you want me to tell it? You do it. Okay, so, and, and correct me if I missed something. So Waylon Jennings sees uh, Shaver, I guess, down in Texas at some point, and yep. Shaver's playing some songs, and Waylon is so impressed that he's like, you got to come up to Nashville. I want you to, to write some songs for me. And Waylon Jennings, being Waylon Jennings, completely forgets that he said this to Billy Joe Shaver uh, and is up in Nashville, you know, in the studio with a bunch of bikers doing amphetamines, hanging out, whatever. As you do. As you do. It was 1974 in Nashville. 
Uh, and Billy Joe Shaver comes up and keeps trying to get in, keeps trying to get in and talk to him. And Waylon's never going to talk to him. So he just comes to the studio and he's like, all right, Waylon. Are you gonna listen to my songs, or are we gonna are we gonna have a tussle? <laughs> like, threaten to fight him wow. in front of all these bikers who are gonna whoop his ass. I don't. They thought they were gonna whoop his ass. I don't know if they were gonna whoop Billy Joe Shaver's ass. <laughs> I mean, Billy Joe Shaver comes correct. Yeah, apparently he does not like to be disrespected. He does not. So it was the lucky day for the bikers that day. <laughs> also, Billy Joe Shaver, I, I would bet twenty bucks he was armed. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> Dollars to donuts. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but are we going to also talk about the other side of the 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 backstory of of Waylon Jennings? Go on. Go on. Well, he was part of the Crickets, right? Oh yeah. 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 With, he was with, almost with, on that plane with Willie, and he was almost on the plane. He, except, a, he, uh, who was it that won the coin toss? Was it the Big Bopper? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Big Bopper. Well, but then do you know about the curse? Oh, what? Mm-hmm. So Waylon, for a long time, felt responsible for the plane crash. Yes. Because it was kind of a joke between the band. You know, the bus was a piece of shit, didn't have heat. And so when uh, uh, the Big Bopper and Richie Valens are getting on the plane or whatever, they're like, ah, I hope the van freezes and breaks down. He says, well, I hope your goddamn plane crashes. And then he removed a few bolts. <laughs> <laughs> then he unleashed the Waylon Jennings gremlin. <laughs> Every Jennings yeah. has one. <laughs> yeah, the Big Bopper was getting on because he had a cold, and he he they didn't want him to to wait or. So they wanted yeah. him to die. I thought he yeah. had no money though. So how did he get on that plane? The he has no money, Jennings? honey. Guys, oh. come on, Chantilly <laughs> Lace, you sent the bitches. Come on, it was, it was, it was I know it's been like three years, but come on. So wasn't it? It was the Big Bopper was getting on the plane. And then there was a coin toss over whose seat was being given up. Oh, okay. It was like. Waylon versus, I don't know, like the drummer? Yeah. Well, I think, yeah, I think there was a coin toss, but there was also just a, a voluntary give up. I think Jennings just gave up his seat to Richie Valens. Okay. He's just like, you just, you take the flight. And then Cliff Burton drew the ace of spades and got the top bunk on the tour bus. And then he fell out the window mm-hmm. when it crashed. And mm-hmm. that's how we mm-hmm. lost Cliff. R.I.P. Cliff. R.I.P. And that's how the guy from Def Leppard lost his arm. That's right. That was a different story. You know what? I, 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 just it, tell all the stories. It would have been interesting if the large bopper had continued <laughs> as a radio personality touring off that one song. I wonder what else he would have done. What if it? What if? What if he was in the Highwaymen? <laughs> <laughs> would have been a different sound. Sure would. I, mean. I will. I will say that about like I'm not a huge fan of Waylon Jennings in gen- in general. Like the, and like I said again, this like album to me is like largely forgettable. But I will say like for me loving the Highwaymen, he is like an integral part of that groove. He really does like give give it the hole that it needs. You know, I I will say that. Like I don't. Want to sound like I'm like fuck Waylon Jennings? What a bitch! I'm like this is not my thing, you know. I just thought that I get, I get it though yeah. because when I listened to this album too, I, it was a little like the players are not the tightest players. It's not that sort of nuts and bolts like get it it, it done. Was his band. His band. Like, it wasn't like Nashville yeah. Guns. It was the Whalers. And it feels like they're... with a Y. <laughs> <laughs> Not to be confused with Bob yeah, Marley. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it feels like he's always a little behind the beat on some songs. Mm-hmm. Like, he's always, like, struggling to keep up or something. And then sometimes his, his range or his 
like his vocal performance does feel a bit like stilted. Like he's not like owning the song, which seems weird because every write up I've I've seen is like, well, this is when Whalen obviously came into his own. I don't, yeah. And I apparently he like rewrote but, a lot of Shaver's arrangement. Yeah, like yeah, they butted heads a lot. But not so much that Billy Joe Shaver pulled a gun. <laughs> yeah. I just feel like he doesn't sound very confident, you know? Like, I think I think he really kind of cemented what my problem is with this album is, like, he just doesn't sound like he's having, like, fun with it, you know? It just, it honestly sounds like a, like a drag to me. And, like, he's just not really, I don't want to say, like, again, like, he's not very confident. Like, it just doesn't sound like he's, like, really into the material. You some, know what I mean? Some songs I think he is, though. Black oh, yeah. Rose and Omaha seem, oh, yeah. like, seem like he's more... But those or, are two songs out of, like, this entire album. You know, yeah. and to me, like, again, it's it's just that that's why I'm having a hard time, like, saying something nice about it overall is it's just, it's ultimately forgettable to me. I agree. I absolutely agree with you on that. Yeah. And we, we've argued this a thousand times, like... Not yet. <laughs> Not yet? <laughs> 289 yeah. times. Yeah, we only 290 <laughs> sometimes. I think we will argue 800 times yeah. more. But yeah, the, the idea that two songs out of, what, 10, 12? Well, I, I think, again, this book relies on this was the, this is the culmination of different styles. So they infused rock into a stripped down country sound. This becomes outlaw country. It's very important because it is a sort of that album that broke the mold. And now from here, Chris Christopherson, Willie's going to do Redheaded Stranger. You know, we're going to get all those different uh, aspects of Cash and, and all think, these guys. I think that that's why it's here. Yeah, like, it, absolutely. It, the time and the place historically for this album to to happen, like, like you said, just if this really was the catalyst that kind of crystallized that movement and that movement, it was so important to future movements then you know you can't ignore that, but you know I'm not I'm not blown away. It also it, it was his first number one uh, this time, and then he had a I'm a Rambling Man, which was also a number one single. Then he had Rainy uh, Day Women, and then like it just continued. It was like a Dukes snowball. Hazard theme. Yep. Yeah, he was doing everything. So this is this is the album, right? That's the problem. I think I think it's yeah. something I keep thinking about a lot with like this particular project you all are doing is like the subjectivity of like music. You know, like it's it's like yes, this person's important objectively, but it's so hard to figure out what is the objective sound of theirs. You know, and I know I talked with, I talked about this on Mike Oldfield. Like, sure, it's his first album, but that's not like his good 
that's not a good album to me of like what Mike Oldfield could do, you know? And I think that's what's so difficult is do, what, what do you think encapsulates this artist's importance? And it, it means an artist can mean different things for different people. And I think that's difficult to say definitively, if, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Like, like going back to the Mike Oldfield reference, even if it wasn't like his best album, if it was the album that caused the ripples that mm -hmm. affected other things, then it seems like it's probably more likely to be in the book. It seems like they they err on the side of historical importance. Absolutely. Yeah. Or or um, marketability, sort of yeah. like the popular albums. Mm. They're not always the best, obviously. Yeah. yeah. But it made a huge impact. Yeah. It, 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 and so what they're saying is you, you should probably check this album out because this is this led to this, which led to this, you know, yeah. which I think has been kind of good for us because we've been seeing, you know, this is the start of maybe we don't like it, but we see the result of it. You yeah. know, we see other other things that we like better later on that were a result of, um, you know, I'm trying to think of... Uh, Disra Country Joe in the fish. <laughs> I was going to say Disraeli Gears by Cream. Like Cream sure, is yeah. like mm -hmm. yeah. the start of something. And then we're going to get into ZZ Top. We're going to get into all these other bands. Or American Beauty by The Grateful yeah. Dead. You know, Working Man's Dead. I don't, I don't know if you guys covered that one. But, you know, mm -hmm. like, no. like American Beauty and Working Man's Dead are like the start of a literal phenomenon. You know, yeah. like something that like my sister followed The Grateful Dead in the 80s. You know, it's something that like really took people by storm and you don't even think about people talking about their studio albums. It's all about like, Ooh, live at touch of gray or nothing, dude. wherever <laughs> we are touch of gray people. Here. Yeah. <laughs> I'm okay with American beauty. <laughs> I like American beauty. I think it's a cool album. Uh, I got some other fun facts from Jennings. Oh, obviously he lived a pretty interesting life with all his, uh, <laughs> traveling across the country being the basis for the crickets and everything. Uh, after Buddy Holly died, one of uh, Buddy Holly's bandmates gave him a motorcycle that he had originally uh, given to uh, Buddy Holly, set it right there in his uh, hotel room, and Waylon just got on the thing and started it up and r r like <laughs> ran it right out of the hotel. <laughs> I'm assuming he was on the first floor? I would hope so. He's an accomplished writer. I, I hope not. I hope not. It's right down the stairs. Yeah. Yeah. In the elevator. In the elevator. <laughs> like and that's when he composed the Dukes of Hazard theme song. That's when he passed out from carbon monoxide poisoning in an elevator. <laughs> it was a 1958 aerial cyclone motorcycle. And it said it used to belong to Buddy Holly, but I had also heard that it was, um, it was like a, a different version or it was a mm. different one. Uh, it's so good. His quote about it, too. I, I walked into my hotel room after the show and saw it sitting there. What else could I do? I swung, swung my leg over it, stomped on the Kickstarter, and burst into roaring life. First kick. It was midnight, and it sounded twice as loud, bouncing off the walls of the hotel room. I'm sure it did. I knew Buddy wouldn't mind. Buddy's what? dead. I know. Well, what else could you do? Yeah. yeah. Buddy's dead, and you're drunk. <laughs> what else could I do? Uh, he also, Waylon never played by the rules. Like, he just did whatever he wanted in, in this, I mean, obviously in the industry. And so, he, when his time was getting shorter and shorter, he walked out on CM, 
CMA awards in 1970 because they kept just reducing his time slot, his time slot, and he's just like, I'm out of here. So they were just left hanging. Also did it in the Tom Schneider sh- uh, show in 1998. They were going to taping, and Dr. Laura segment began to eat into Waylon's time. So he just walked off the set. And then Tom Schneider, there's like a clip of Tom Schneider being like, uh, like, he doesn't have anything else. <laughs> you mean like Dr. Laura Schlesinger? Uh, I believe so. Wow. That, that dates yeah. that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 98. Uh, and does anybody want to talk about the his contract? So after this, RCA was trying to... Uh, I think him and Willie were both on RCA, and RCA was trying to clean, clean up the image, sort of like go with the studio guns. They didn't want these guys doing their own thing. And he kind of told them, I got to re- renegotiate. Renegotiate. Renegotiate my contract. And so he brought in a lawyer and they're sitting there and everybody's just kind of it's getting tense, a little warm. And uh, there's a bit of silence where they're all just kind of staring at each other. He wants 25 grand extra for this new contract. And everyone's just kind of like, I don't know. And then he just like walks out of the room and he comes back from t- <laughs> from using the restroom. And his lawyer's like, that was brilliant. I can't believe you would just walk out like that. That was a great. And he's like, I was just taking a pee. And he's like, that's a $25,000 pee. Just <laughs> Maybe every time he walks out on something, it's because he has to pee and he doesn't know. <laughs> and then he's being dramatic. Right. <laughs> he's just bad at social cues. Like, Sorry, Tom Snyder. I don't know. I mean, if you have IBS, sometimes you got to go. Right. Right then and there. (laughs) By the late 70s, he was doing uh, 1,500 a day cocaine. Oh, yeah. Nice. Oh, wow. Yeah, you called it. (laughs) Sounds right. Yeah, amassing more than 2.5 million's worth of personal debt. Damn. Tell my pillow guy loans? got started. Like, <laughs> who loans you cocaine? <laughs> Dummies. <laughs> Just pay me back. Front out of business school. <laughs> can, I, can I borrow that real quick? I'll bring it right back. Uh, yeah, how do we feel about this? We want to go around? What do you think, Rob? I'm solid neutral on it. It doesn't blow my hair back, but it doesn't offend me. Yeah. I'll never seek it out. Okay. Okay. A couple of cool songs. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Neutral plus hmm. for me. I, I I enjoyed listening to it. If I see a if I see a copy and it's cheap, I'd probably pick it up. Uh, but yeah, uh, I was really hoping. I was really hoping to like a classic, like discover a new classic. Yeah, I was too. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, I I agree with both of like, but I'll, I agree with Birch, Rob, and Ben. Like, I just. I was re- I I really wanted to like it. I really wanted to like it, and then when it started up, I was like, "Oh, okay, <laughs> I see." You know, I expected more. Yeah, I, yeah. I expected more out of this. Yeah, Same. especially because, like I said, like I get like a little weird about like I don't really like Oil and Jennings, and everybody around like I've babysat like kids named after him. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> it's like people around here love some Oil and Jennings, you yeah. know. Yeah, just I mean, I appreciate. I guess what this does for the future. Yeah. Uh, you know, without this, there'd be no squidbillies. So, <laughs> and, and I need that. So. <laughs> a true gift to society. Right, exactly. You know, you got to see the end of the rainbow. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but yeah, nothing, nothing in here is a huge gem. There's, you know, I guess for Birch and maybe for me and for some others, maybe Black Rose is, yeah. the, is the standout. Um, 
so there are some things that are you know kind of interesting, but nothing enough to make you buy the album. So yeah, neutral. Yeah, it was like a single for me. It was like a couple, maybe a forty-five with Black Rose and Omaha or uh, Ride It On Down. Although I did really like um, what was the second the ballad Old Fine Divers. Old no 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 the uh, was it We Had It All. Whiskey, last the track, Will, last track, Willie the Wonder, and yeah, whiskey. Yeah, <laughs> that was good. And ride, ride me down easy was was good as well. I just, it's something about it. I mean, I feel like if it's in this book, it needs to be like a real, like substantial, and it can't just be like, yeah, it it started this this way. It just sounds a bit dated. The it's recording hard. sounds like a, just a little off or something. It just doesn't have the the sort of um, there's just something missing. It's hard to give it the right perspective. Sure. We've been hearing Outlaw Country our whole lives. Yeah. And so I'm just trying to think of like, if I had heard this in 1973 and had not yet heard any Outlaw Country, then maybe I would better appreciate like the fusion of like honky tonk and rock and roll that's going on here and appreciate it for what it is historically. But, you know, growing up my whole life listening to the greatest hits of all these guys, uh, this first Outlaw Country album is a little underwhelming. Yeah. Yeah, I would say that too. And I feel like once you you go into these albums too, you sort of, that's just life. I mean, that's how you, you start to realize, oh, this is actually kind of doing something better and you kind of whittle away at, at, at different albums and they kind of fall off of your radar because, you know, some are more like classics or those, those songs are, are classics that you're going to go back to, but maybe not this entire album. Right. If you were crate digging, would you pick this up? I would. Yeah. Yeah. For the right price. maybe. What, what, what what's your top end uh, for a clean copy of this? Six or seven. Yeah. All right. Yeah. A hundred dollars. No, All right, next time we'll be talking about Pink Floyd, Dark Side of the Moon. So excited. All right, thanks, y'all. This guy will shoot you. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I believe it. Through the Georgia Pines, you were there to answer when I called. You and me, Lord knows we had it all. Touch your hand while reaching for a feeling that was always there. You were the best thing in my life that I recall. You and me.